Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DCU Soccer Podcast. Uh, I'm joined again by a special guest. Do you mind uh, introducing yourself and telling us where we could find you? Hey, everyone. It's Sarah Kalassi from over at MLS Female. Ken, thanks for having me on again. It's a complete pleasure. You can find me over on Twitter at Sarah Kalassi, and you can also follow MLS Female at MLS Female. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you, you all check that out. Uh, today, I think we're going to cover uh, a few things. The first thing I guess we can start out with was the uh, FC Cincinnati DC United game yesterday. Do you want to get us started there, sir? So DC United finally broke their winless streak, and it was absolutely fantastic. We got the Titi Rodriguez brace, goals, everything we've been hoping for. Wayne Rooney put one in, Paul Ariola. It was just a wonderful match if you're a fan and someone who's psyched up to see DC United win. There were a few things, Ken, I know we had messaged about last night that neither one of us were super enthusiastic about, but I'm sure we will get into those a little bit later here. Yeah, it was definitely some, at some points a pretty strange uh, match, but we I kind of thought that uh, DC was struggling a little bit in the kind of in the first part of the first half um, until uh, Rod- Lucas Rodriguez did put that goal in in the, in the 42nd minute. But yeah, you also mentioned that he got a brace and that uh, Wayne Rooney and Paul Ariola also got goals. And I, um, I was like really excited about that because like if you asked me the the three or four players that I want to get involved, it would be it'd be them. So I was excited. It was definitely a match for the fans. And I know that first half I was getting so nervous sitting there watching the match on ESPN, even though it was the flow derby. Can we can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> that was so confusing. Yeah, so if you all don't know, FC Cincinnati is also being broadcast on Flow Sports, um, just like we are. Um, but this game was nationally broadcast broadcasted, which means it was on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, just a completely bizarre thing, at least from my end. And I don't know if anyone else had some issues getting onto ESPN. I know I definitely did. For some reason, it said that there was a 5 p.m. broadcast time rather than 8, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. But there we are. Yeah, I had one of the issues that I also saw with uh, this broadcast was that a lot of people's streams were like delayed more than normal. Um, and I was experiencing that, too. So Twitter was kind of spoiling a lot of the, the fun, unfortunately. And so I had to, like, do not disturb on my phone. I was so frustrated. I was watching the final minutes of the match, and I believe we were just coming into the 94th minute, and I got an alert on my phone saying full-time. I mean, of course, at that point, we knew DC United was going to win. There's no way FC Cincinnati was going to make up three goals in the space of a minute. But it was really upsetting just to see that. I wanted to kind of come to it organically and see the finish of the match. Yeah, absolutely. I got I had a very I mean similar thing happen to me at the end too. And like I mentioned, the the Twitter <laughs> DMs and 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 posts by DC United, I was getting alerted for. And yeah, I that's the kind of the downside with the, the streaming the services. And it's also one of the reasons why I think even with Flow Sports, it's why it's hard in bars because of the different delays that you have to build in with with broadcasting and stuff and uh, playing it like on multiple TVs, having audio off in multiple TVs. And like, it's just something that 
I don't know how we're gonna like figure out in terms of technology for 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 live streaming. Um, but yeah, it definitely it does make a difference, and it makes it hard on folks watching. And I have noticed a really positive trend over this season that the kind the kind of delay it's getting less and less as we go on. I think the last match I did it for it was maybe fifteen or twenty seconds, which wasn't too bad. So I think there's definite improvement. I know before it was a major problem. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, we uh, got in a goal in the 42nd minute. It was kind of what ended up setting off a, a, a whole series of goals. But right uh, kind of like 10 minutes after uh, the second half started off, um, there was a penalty call um, mm. against uh, Paul Ariola for a supposed handball in the box. What uh yeah what were you, what were you thinking when this happened and uh yeah what are your thoughts? I watched it. I watched it again. I don't really believe that should have been a call in the first place. I'm also not a referee. Just disclaimer, everyone knows that I'm a journalist, but I didn't see how that should have gone to a penalty kick. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially it's uh, if you if you do the if you watch it again like uh, like you did and and I'm sure a lot of us did. Uh, you can see that Paul is trying to take his arm away from where the ball's going to, to tuck it more into his body, um, which makes it frustrating that, you know, it would be called like that. And I think that this might be one of the cases where we get an apology <laughs> a day or two later, maybe. Um, but yeah. This is the upsetting part. I'm sure we'll get some sort of statement. At least I hope we will, because it was definitely a poor call. But the statements, how many points now, Ken, do you think we've lost over the course of the season? Thank goodness it didn't affect the entire match, but it very well could have. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the uh, important parts about that is even though it was a bad call and even though like we, we were tied at the, at the 54th minute, we uh, pretty much responded immediately and we didn't get down we kind of upped our urgency, which had already been up a little bit. And we put in another goal uh, by TT within five minutes. And uh, that one was was a really good goal, too. And so I was I was kind of worried that this would be one of those cases where we 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 get a bad call or like we go down with a with a, a goal or like tie it up. And then we just kind of give up and then can't can't rectify it. This made me really happy to see, too, because you're right. We kind of go down that path of when we're down or when we're kind of when someone gets one in on us we get really frustrated and I don't know whatever is being done differently maybe it was that we were hyped up for the match maybe it was the fact that Cincinnati is so far down the rankings honestly I don't care what it was because the urgency that DC United displayed last night and the quality of play was fantastic <laughs> Yeah, definitely agree. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I was really happy to see those combinations of players get assists and goals. And um, we also had a really magical assist by Leonardo Hara uh, to to Wayne Rooney in the 64th minute, which was just a crazy ball. And uh, Wayne Rooney kind of just handles it and slots it right in like, like he's done hundreds of times in his career. That was so beautiful to watch. Oh, my goodness. It was just that moment where you're like, okay, here we go. DC United is back. They're feeling this. 
And Ken, I know you've been saying for a while you want to see some goals from TT. And how did you feel last night? Because I was thinking of you. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 one of my favorite players. Just I think I like his like work rate and like uh, how how good he he can be even without like being the like the star or like scoring all the goals. And so I always like when he gets on the 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 score sheet so that like he gets the attention I think he really deserves. And uh, yeah, that was like really exciting for me. And he also got that. Uh, he also assisted that last Paul Areola goal where he, uh, where Areola pretty much just ran right through everyone. And, <laughs> that was great. And yeah, so it was great. I think, um, yeah, it sets us up real well for for him in the upcoming matches as well with the confidence because he's not always been on the the score sheet as much as maybe some of the other players. Um, yeah. Here's my question for you. So that win last night, I felt like it was critical in a few ways. First and foremost, we needed the three points. Second, heading down to Atlanta, and I know historically we have done really well against Atlanta, but they are a top team. And they're starting to play well, again, on and off. I don't know, you can kind of (laughs) give me your two cents on that. But heading into that trip down to Atlanta, I think that the win last night is going to really affect us in a positive way, hype us up. What do you think, Ken? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is definitely critical for the points and the fact that like we need to to show that we can score goals that are not just Rooney free kicks or Rooney penalties um, or like Rooney 70-yard goals, I guess. <laughs> um, I'd and love to f- see more of those. Well, yes. Yes, that's true. I, I definitely would love <laughs> to see more 70-yard goals, especially, but can't always necessarily rely on just that, especially if we're going to be competing with a team, uh, to your point, like Atlanta, who's kind of had like up and downs uh, season, but have a lot of talent on their team and have been uh, pretty injury uh, prone this season. Um, so yeah, getting that 4-1, should have been 4-0, I guess, but that 4-1 defeat uh, against Cincinnati, um, it was good. I, I think we're going to need that confidence. How do you see things going when we go down to Atlanta? I know you're heading down there tomorrow and you're going to be there for the match. Yeah, I think one of the things that I am kind of worried about is the fact that um, in our current formation yesterday, we kind of played in like a 3-4-3, like a five uh, five back, you could call it either way. Um, But we kind of saw uh, players in the same position as the beginning of the New England Revolution match. Mm-hmm. Uh, with only two cent- in the in the center there, not necessarily three, which we saw in the second half of that game. And I think that's more of what we're going to have to do, um, like a 3-5-2 and not necessarily a 3-4-3, to, to kind of tighten down the midfield. And so I don't know if this game, it was played like that just because it's Cincinnati and they're not that good, which they weren't, um, or that this is what we, this is more what we want, not the, the more players in the in the central midfield but I don't know yeah like like you said I'm going down I'm kind of excited but definitely nervous because it is a big trip and I want to go there and win uh, but yeah I'm just trying to think of all of the positives going in we're coming off a win hopefully we'll have Bill Hamid in goal I think it was really smart to rest him last night whether that was intentional or not intentional I think that's going to help us We'll have Acosta back. What do you think happened with the Bill Hamid stuff? Because I've been seeing a lot of rumors, and yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen a few things. I know that Steve Goff over at Washington Post had put something up and he was there. And I know um, head coach Ben Olson's response was just that, you know, Chris Seitz had a great match and it was good to play him. There wasn't really much more said about Hamid's absence. There was some speculation. Maybe he was late to something or maybe he wasn't feeling well, but I haven't heard anything definitive. I'm hoping he's ready for our match against Atlanta, though, and fresh and really sharp in the goal. And Breck Shea is going to be out as well. So I feel like that's another positive for us. I feel awful about his knee, but. Yeah, me too. I feel bad for Breck Shea. I th- I've always kind of liked Breck Shea because of his, like, I guess, like super chill uh, demeanor. But yeah, it kind of sucks that he, he did tear his ACL in a recent match. Um, yeah, but the Atlanta really doesn't have anyone to play that left left back role or really even a left wing back, a natural left wing back. So I think what we're going to see is them play probably a 3-5-2 like they played in their last game um, and not really have a good like solution for that side. So I think Paul Areola and, and Hara need to to definitely overlap and, and, and try some stuff on that side because I think that's one way we can really uh, work work on Atlanta. What is going on with the left? I feel like this is such a cursed position on so many teams. Yeah, it definitely, I guess it's because like I, my guess and I have no idea or no data and I, I don't know, but I think I think obviously coaches prefer to have a left-footed player in the, in that role, and obviously uh, more people are right-footed, and so it might just be that, and there's less of a choice. But Breck Shea has been kind of playing over there. That definitely wasn't their their first choice even coming into the season. They have uh, George Bello, who is back in training as of yesterday, I believe, but it's not necessarily clear if he'll play or not. Um, same thing with Ezekiel Barco. Uh, they're starting to get some of their, their main players back, but... I think even if George Bello plays, that side is still going to be ripe for picking because he is a young player with not that much experience. He's like 16 or 17. Um, he's played one game this season, uh, which was a CONCACAF Champions League game against Herediano, I believe. And yeah, I still and he hasn't played. So like, I think that that would be still be the side, you know. Do you think there is any danger of us going into this match overconfident? Uh, I hope they're not overconfident because they've not been doing that well overall. Uh, I guess coming off this win, I guess you could see that. But I think that they realize like that the Cincinnati side was not very like good, and I think that they needed they needed it just to to get to the baseline of of confidence. But hopefully, it doesn't like boost their egos or like anything like that. Yeah. This is one of those times I'm really happy that we have Wayne Rooney's leadership in the locker room because he's such a solid, focused player. And he really, I think, will kind of temper that a little bit. Yeah, and he definitely, he definitely, like, keeps, keeps, like, keeps it honest. And he, he he's the first one to say, like, that wasn't good enough. And so that's always good. And I also, uh, I've been, been really liking Paul Areola coming back. It's been it's been really nice. I guess you, you don't necessarily know what you got till it's gone, and h- having him out uh, in international duty was uh, was was kind of hard. 
Oh, he was absolutely missed. Welcome back, Paul. Please don't leave us again. We're proud of you for your call-ups to the U.S. men's national team, but we need you, so don't yeah. leave. Yeah, I think, I mean, as a small tangent, I think that those call-ups and, like, the way that the team is organized and playing and, like, stuff like that has been a real benefit to him, and I think we're going to see that play out as well. Like, I think that that experience is just so valuable, especially right now, and I... He's just been playing really well. He's he's a fantastic player. He has been really turning it up this season. I still remember back to the first match when we were freezing at Audi Field against Atlanta. And Paul has just come to this season with a certain amount of tenacity in him that I don't know if it was there last year or has developed last year. But it's just fantastic to watch him play and I'm curious to see what each consecutive season is going to bring from him yeah definitely I uh I was also really happy to see Pines in again I think that he's going to be a really critical part of not only the way we're playing right now but even when we we get people uh, like coming back and and potentially even back into the fourback which I don't necessarily know will happen but even if that happens, I think he's going to play a really big part in the rest of the season. And he's been playing really well, and he's just so fast. He's incredibly fast. Oh, my goodness. He's a joy to watch for sure, too. I have a uh, question for oh you, yeah. Ken. Um, I know we talked about the handball element of that penalty kick, but I know there was a lot of outcry about the stutter step and everything else during the actual taking of the penalty. And I was wondering if you could maybe give us all some insight. I know you've refed before and you understand these things really well. Could you explain that a little more? Some people said it was illegal, but looking at the rules, you know, it was right on the edge, I think. Yeah, so if if this was a game that I was refing, I would not have said that was legal. I wouldn't have called it. I wouldn't have made him retake that. Uh, he he did not complete his, his run-up, so he stopped in the middle of the run-up, which as far as I'm aware of the, the, the laws, is, is not uh, illegal technically uh, because he did complete his run after that. And so I think things like this or like you, you see even Joseph Martinez do his hop kind of stuff is all is all technically legal. Um, it didn't feel good, but especially because uh, the goalkeeper had already uh, jumped. And, and so that's kind of on the goalkeeper too. But But yeah, I don't think that this was illegal. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. I know. I know there was a lot of yelling and cursing at the television and probably at the stadium last night. But <laughs> no, it's good to know that that was the right call then made by the referee because I feel that there were so many other calls we were very frustrated <laughs> over last night. I think that I think what like my guess by how poorly this game was refed is that even if it was illegal, I don't think the ref would have caught it or called it. So, like, I think that, I mean, the handball, it was not a handball. Um, that was a terrible call in in the box, especially, like, just not not good. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't have much confidence to say that if, if he had taken an illegal penalty that, that it would have mattered and he w- the ref would have called it. There was definitely a lot of angst on the field as well surrounding that whole penalty. So I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. And then uh, Wayne Rooney got a yellow card. So <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite things is when is when Rooney like starts talking back to the refs. I, I think it's really funny. 
Um, because a lot of the time he has, he, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. And I don't know, a lot of the refs, especially, I don't know if it's just this season, but like, it feels like it's gotten worse. There's always been like a lot of bad calls or questionable calls, but I think the addition of VAR like makes these things even more outrageous because there are systems to help these refs out. And so it's hard to be like, oh, well, he just missed it or he missaw it because like you have four other people looking, you know. This is the frustration. And I know we had talked about this with James before, too. We just need better quality. We need better quality. We need more accountability. And I do love seeing Rooney be such an advocate for the team, for himself. It's really refreshing, actually, to see. And he definitely has the knowledge. He has the experience to go and talk to the ref and say, hey, you know, this isn't right. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of players who might come over here, like uh, who are who are like superstars or stars that, you know, maybe ha- have a little more apathy, kind of just like, oh, whatever, you know, but it, it shows that he has a real passion and really cares about like what the team's doing. He cares about his teammates and he cares about like winning. So I think that's one of the beyond the like crazy stuff he's been able to do for us on the field, like in terms of goals and assists and, and playmaking, I think that leadership and that, uh, yeah, that's that's been great. I remember what um, Moreno was saying at the podcast, and there is a language barrier for a lot of the players to talk to the referee and to dispute calls or get clarification. So it really is important to have that captain or that individual on the team who will be that advocate. What do you make of that? I thought it was really nice to kind of hear him discuss those challenges. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was funny because I think I don't I don't remember the exact quote, but they asked him something like, well, what happens if you start speaking in Spanish to, to the ref? And he was just like, they'll just give me a card no matter what. Yeah. And so he just doesn't. And so it was just really it was kind of funny, but kind of unfortunate. But it, it was kind of a funny moment in that um, I really enjoyed that that uh, interview with with Junior Moreno. You mentioned earlier that Acosta will be coming back from his uh, two-game red card suspension for the Atlanta game. Do you think that we slot him in? I hope so. I would love to see him back on the pitch. I think that's where he wants to be. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard because, like, I don't know. I don't know who we take out, right? Like, if we're going to play this, you know three-back system with Canals and Moreno in there and Ariola and Rodriguez on the, the, the wings, kind of. I don't know who we take out to put him and where do we put him, you know? This is always the question when you have so much quality. Who do you take out? Who do you put in? Yeah, I'm wondering if what ends up... I mean, there's multiple things we could do. Uh, I think one thing that seems potentially likely is that we put Pines back on the bench, we go back to a four-back, and uh, and then simply, well, quote-unquote, simply slot uh, Costa right back to, to the, 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 like, number 10 in the uh, 4-2-3-1. But if we wanted to stay in the three-back, I don't really know. I guess uh, TT would probably come out, um, in which case you could even run, like, a, a 3-5-2 or, like, because I don't necessarily think Acosta would would – be that like a, a winger to, like for a whole game, right? Like he 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 flashes out there sometimes, but not like an out not winger. So 
Yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen. My guess is we return to the four-back, honestly, if, if he's going to play. I'm very curious to see what happens, and I'm so excited that you're going to be there live to see it. You're going to have to keep me updated <laughs> the whole match. Yeah, uh, you all have to let me know what's happening with VAR since they don't tell anyone in the stadiums <laughs> if, if that happens, which is another frustration of mine. Because, like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure if, if you've gone to a DC game or, like, any game in MLS that you sat there and there's VAR going on and you have no idea what it is. And I think we've all experienced that. So, like, it's very frustrating sometimes. And, and it's different than in, like, you know, American football or, or some other sports where they'll, they'll the referees will actually, you know, announce or, like, they'll, they'll say what the challenge is or whatever. Um, that would be kind of nice. I know, I think some leagues might have something like that. And I know they're getting a little bit better about putting like captions on the TVs, but in the stadiums, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to know what's going on. That's the really annoying thing. You wish you could be a fly on the wall and actually hear the commentary and know how those decisions are being made. Yeah. One thing that I found really, really interesting is that the pro referee organization releases a video every week of like some of the the VAR calls and you do get to hear sometimes some of the like the discussions. It's not live obviously, but it's like very interesting to look back and uh it it's kind of it's kind of nice because it also I think we've talked about this before like reminds people that these are also humans as much as we can we complain about the decisions <laughs> we make they or they make, but uh you kind of hear through their process and then you can kind of empathize with like oh, okay, I don't agree, but I can at least see what they mean, right? Like, instead of just like, well, what are they, like, what's even happening, right? And so I think transparency would be uh, really good in, in general for, for uh, MLS, but, but specifically for this, it would, it, would be, it would be great. Are you going to be at Audi Field for the friendly against Marseille? I am probably not, unfortunately. That is uh, on the 24th, I believe, but... I don't think so, unfortunately, because I really want to. And I really want one of those uh, crossover scarves, honestly. If I go, I'll definitely pick you up one. Yeah, those would look cool. I mean, typically, like, I don't like the, like, the two team scarves. I think it's kind of like, well, whatever. But I like the blue. The blue color of, of that team is, like, really cool to me. So, yeah. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a nice night. And I think it's going to be a play your kids night, which will be really fun. Those matches are always great for that. Yeah, I mean, the last time we played uh, Real Batiste in, a, in, in that friendly, I think Ameriquois scored, and I think Yao scored. Uh, those were kind of fun. Um, I was yeah. so happy to see that match. That was a blast. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where, like, you can call in, yeah, like, some of the kids from the Loudon side, potentially, uh, that, that we've loaned out there. And, like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And even just, like... I've talked about this a little before on the podcast, but like I like the the friendlies and stuff that we do. I, I wish that we did a little bit better about like promoting these fans that are coming for this other team that is international to, to come out to more DC games. But I think it's a really big opportunity for us to expand. Ken, what do you think? A lot of folks don't come to friendlies or they don't feel that they have any intrinsic value because they don't count for league play. There are no points involved. I would argue that in terms of player development, giving players that don't get a lot of minutes time on the pitch, they are really valuable and they are a nice chance to see different styles of play. What's your opinion? 
Yeah, I mean, I like them. The I like them. I like to see the different teams. I like to see the different players from our team. I think the one thing that I wish was different is the timing, right? So a lot of these European teams, they're in preseason right now, and we are in the middle of the season. And so the timing is kind of bad. And if we were able to align it more with, like, our preseason or, or like, our, like, after season if we don't make the playoffs or that kind of, I don't know. But, like, the fact that it's in the middle of the season kind of, I think, drives that narrative that you're talking about of, like, well, it's just another game that I, I, I could go to, but I was just at one. And, like, this is just a friendly. But if it's, like, a preseason game, it's, like, exciting because the team is back playing. And I think that the attendance would go up a lot. Right. So those are my thoughts. I really enjoy I really enjoyed the Real Batiste one. I, I'm going to probably uh, enjoy this one, uh, even though I don't make it out. I'm excited. I hope I can make it to that match. And I definitely will grab you a scarf if I do. <laughs> what do you think about the, the scheduling thing I brought up, though? Like, I don't know if there's any solution that's easy. I'm sure it's not considering scheduling is always harder than you think um, from the outside. But but yeah, what do you think about that? I agree with you. I think if we're playing less um, less played players and folks that aren't getting a lot of minutes on the pitch, that's positive during the season to kind of keep them going and keep them motivated so that if we do need to call them up and use them, they're ready. But I do agree with you that moving those to either pre or post would give folks in the audience and the supporters some more incentive to turn out. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. Like keeping uh, folks fresh and like that, that may not be getting all the, the time is important. I mean, I wonder if that is, I mean, I don't know. Cause, uh, but I wonder if that's another reason why potentially people aren't going because they know it's not going to be the first team and uh, they kind of feel like they don't want anyone to get hurt for like the league play. And I don't know, but I mean, I enjoy when these teams come. I don't think it's like something we should take for granted for sure, because these are really big names in in the world. And when else are you going to get a chance to see these teams play, especially against your home team and be home in your bed the same night? Yeah, for sure. I'm my uh, I I was talking about this with with uh, you guys on the DC United po- uh, DC United Kingdom podcast. But uh, I went to the the Chelsea DC United game, and I think that's one of my all time favorite uh, matches that I've been to in uh, FedEx Field uh, in 2005 or something. Um, yeah, so they can be really special, especially with like yeah, you'll I'll probably never see that again. That'll probably never happen um, again. So yeah, it could be like a once in a lifetime thing. That's incredible. How do you think we do when we go to Chicago? I know it's a little early to speculate, but. It's hard to say. They've kind of had a weird season, like up and down, kind of, I don't know. They, they've they beaten Atlanta 5-1, which was kind of strange, but they lost to FC Cincinnati last week. And so like, or two weeks ago, whenever, like, so it's kind of hard to really know, to really get a good gauge of like where they are, how they're doing. And they're not really that high up in the, in the, the standings. They're like near the bottom. Uh, so I think we should be able to beat them. I mean, they even, I saw last night, they had, you know, 7,000 people in their, their stadium. And so it doesn't seem like they would get a too huge of a, a home field advantage in terms of supporters. So, yeah, I think we should be able to, to, to do fine against them. 
Fingers crossed. And I'm definitely happy for our guys. This prolonged road trip is keeping them out of the terrible heat that we have here in DC. And we're about to go up into triple digits over the weekend. So very happy they're not here. Yeah, definitely. That's one of the things that uh, I was looking before. Uh, I think I was telling uh, you and, and James of DC United Kingdom that I'm I'm going to Atlanta to escape the heat. And, and it's kind of funny because uh, it's going to be like, you know, 10 or 15 degrees uh, colder, um, which will be a welcome, which will be very welcome for me. Oh, I hope you have the most pleasant trip while you're down there. Enjoy the uh, the not heat wave. Yeah, and and just to go back to that game a little bit, I think some of the things that uh, that that could be changing for Atlanta in this game, like I mentioned, George Bello might be back, Ezekiel Barco may be back. Um, I don't know if we're gonna see Pity Martinez. He's kind of had a a strange season this year. I don't think he's done anything too crazy to be like necessarily scared of. Or, and, and his form is not that great, but he is a talented player that can that can do a lot of stuff, and that's why he got signed for so much money, right? But uh, I'm curious, do you think we'll see Pity? Do you think he'll have an impact on the game? I'm very curious, actually, if they are going to put him in, if he's going to start. I'm not sure. I wonder if he would potentially be motivated to play against Wayne Rooney. I wonder if that would add to his motivation, maybe elevate his level of play a little. He is having a strange season, though, so I'm not 100% sure what their coach is going to do. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one thing that I've, I, uh, I highlighted when, when uh, the first game of the season happened is that uh, Pity Martinez and Leonardo Hara have some history um, in that, in that uh, final of uh, Copa Libertadores last year, which was kind of funny, where Pity kind of just uh, blew by him pr- pretty much. I, I think that's the gif. Um, kind of funny, but yeah, I kind of I kind of want to make, sh- I, I don't know, I kind of want to play an Atlanta team that's close to full strength, because I don't want it to be like, we go down there and we win, but oh, it wasn't the full strength. They're like, oh, this player didn't play and like whatever. And so I'm not sure if Pity will play. He he came in at like the 70th, 70th minute for the last game that Atlanta played. But yeah, I'm not sure. With Ezekiel Barco coming back and uh, their new signing, Emerson Hindman, who's been playing pretty well in the last two games, really, really well in the last one. I'm not sure that Pity might, might, might not even get on the field. I'd like to see him play in that match. And I definitely agree with you that DC going up against an Atlanta team that is full strength or close to it, and especially if they can pull out a win and bring home those three points, it's going to inspire a lot more confidence in DC going forward. And I think it's also going to give the team some internal confidence. So my fingers are crossed on all accounts there. Yeah, definitely. And I think if we are able to get the three points from this, uh, we will uh, be doing very well in the standings. We kind of we slipped a little bit, and then we came back to, to second after last night's victory. But I think this is going to be a critical uh, a critical game because if we win this and Philadelphia do not win this week, we will be in first place. And if Atlanta beat us, they will be tied for first place and winning on goal differential with Philly. And so that would mean we, were, we would be in third um, and kind of just slipping again. And so th- these are the kind of games that are, are super important as we come to the last part of the season against some of the higher teams in, in, the, in the conference. 
And I know we've had our frustrations this season and we've had our difficulties, but just thinking back to where we were at this time last year, I definitely do believe we're well positioned. And if we can get even just a little bit more energy and turn around, I mean, there's no reason we can't make a decent playoff run. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's pretty much leveling off in terms of matches played at this point. I think NYCFC still has a uh, three that they can 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 kind of catch up in, but at this point we're kind of getting into the one or two uh, game differentials with with other teams in terms of matches in hand. And uh, one other stat that I think is kind of interesting and kind of a positive look is that we've lost only five games this this season so far which is the second lowest in in the whole Eastern Conference. And uh, I think that's really encouraging. And that could even change uh, because the other team is NYCFC, who've only played 18 matches. So the the fact that we've been able to to keep some of these games at a draw instead of a loss has been, I think, one of the reasons why we still have hung up into the top part of the conference. No, and that's a great point to make, too, because I know it's been discouraging for a lot of people, but just knowing that fact is really, it's really a big deal on our end that we've managed to keep a lot of these teams at bay. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's all I have for this week. I'm super excited to go to Atlanta. I'll uh, take plenty of pictures of us on the way and and there and stuff. So yeah. Is there anything else you think we should cover before we uh, get off? I think this was great and always wonderful talking to you, Ken. Yeah, th- thanks again so much for coming on. I think uh, I've been really enjoying doing this with uh, you and James and, and all together. I think we should plug James's podcast that we were just on. I think you can still listen to it and get a lot of value, I think, um, at DC United Kingdom. You can find it on Twitter uh, or in your podcast app. But yeah, uh, Sarah, do you want to let us know again how we can find you and, and your work and maybe some like sneak previews of some of the the stuff you might be writing right now or or something like that. Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Sarah Colassi and I am with MLS Female. I'm their DC United beat reporter. I'm also currently finishing up a piece. It's been a little bit, it's going to be a little bit long. It's about Big Rob Gillespie, who is one of our Barra Brava members that we had an auction for a fundraiser. He finally came home to Audi Field. So I'm very excited to get that finished. And you can all read about an incredible legend who's part of DC United history. Awesome stuff. Uh, and yeah, thanks again for coming on. I'm, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be back at it very soon. So uh, if you are listening uh, to the podcast, make sure to give it a rating and uh, subscribe for more content coming soon. Thank you.